Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Just before we jump into the episode this week, I wanted to share a little bit about the Thrive community that I run. It's a place where many like-minded women go to connect and share their experience with getting and staying successfully sober. There are different sections like the main Thrive community feed where people post about things that are up and coming or about challenges they're facing and they get incredible support from other members of the group. It really is a special, special place to be right now. There are also sections to share your milestones because every win, even the really small ones, are a big thing to celebrate and we acknowledge that. There are five events, there are the weekly Zoom recordings, so you can go back and see all the weekly Zoom meetings and all the topics that have been covered in those meetings at your own leisure. There's a share sober tips section and then there are group chats for the first 30 days, the first 100 days, the first year and over a year. There's a knowledge hub as well. And in the knowledge hub, you'll find a place for books and book recommendations. There's a section of how to survive the first 30 days. So if you come in completely brand new to getting sober, you can hit the ground running and find tools and information to get a structure set up for yourself from the outset. There's also my Thrive Sober program, there's a toolkit, there's understanding the brain science and a space to read and learn about all the topics under emotional sobriety, most of which have been written by myself. So come into Thrive. If you're thinking about it or you're lacking community, I would say just jump in and go for it and maybe we'll see you in there soon. Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm talking to Jackie from Berkshire and she's sober one year uh, at the end of this month on the 25th of September. What a brilliant milestone. You must be so excited, Jackie. I am. I can't wait. It's just going from the beginning. I just thought I'm never going to get to a year so for it to the anniversary to be in 19 days is just surreal, really. I love how much that you're <laughs> counting down that as well. Literally. So that 19 days is yeah. burned on your in your memory at the moment, isn't it? It's like countdown time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so wonderful. It really is. It's a special time one year. It's a really special time and it's a really big achievement. Um, and I'm delighted that you'll come on the show and the timing has worked out wonderfully so I don't know if that was planned (laughs) well I mean because I used to listen to the show really early on in my sobriety and um, you'd have people on that had been sober for like a year or however long I think oh no I, I could never make it that long and I think oh I'd really like to do the podcast but why would anyone want to listen to me like 
what have I got to tell people? I'm only sort of three months in or four months in. I think, oh, yeah, never mind. And then as it was getting closer, I thought, do you know what? Just go for it. You, you might be able to interest someone or part of my story might help someone. So I just thought, well, we'll give it a go and see what happens. And there you are. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Well, I'm delighted that you are. We were saying that, weren't we, before we came online. Um, I was I was trying to reassure you um, because, you know, like everybody is always feels a bit nervous when they come on. But then I said that there was literally like eight or nine thousand people that listened to the show. And I could just see the kind of drain from your face. I was like, this isn't helping. I shouldn't have said that. But I think, you know, to think that that many people do listen to the show and that is a global reach as well. Um, just 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 tells you that there are lots of people out there that want this content that are gaining something from listening to people like Jackie you know and, and all, the, all the guests people do get something from it even what seems straightforward and maybe boring to you is really really reassuring and comforting to another so I do uh I thank you so much for being here and and, and for being brave and <laughs> your nerves and, and sharing your story um so why don't we get to know a bit about who you are as a person before we jump into the alcohol bit? So tell us, yeah, who's Jackie? What does Jackie like to do? Uh, so I am 33. Um, I live in Berkshire. I am married. Been married for nearly two years. Uh, I've got two stepsons, um, no children of my own. I'm not a mum by choice. Um I have a dog who does play quite an important role in my sobriety story, but we'll get on to that. <laughs> um, I work at a vet's as a secretary, just I love animals, uh, horses, love horses. Um, I have recently got into my running. Um, again, we'll we'll get into a bit more about that. <laughs> um so yeah, just love being outside. I'm not very good at sort of sitting inside on my own. I like I enjoy my own company, but just sitting and doing nothing doesn't go very well for me. I, I overthink quite a lot, and I can get quite anxious about things, and which I, I'm sure is true of a lot of people. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a common part of the sober story, I think, for people as well. I think you know a, a lot of people that have. A tendency to overthink or to to feel anxiety probably drank for those reasons to mm. sort of you know shut down that noise which is a common phrase that I hear from people that have been through that so then when the drinking stops of course that then comes back and you have to find other ways to manage that don't you so yeah I can totally understand that you know you sound like someone that loves to be in nature likes animals you know why would you not be outside and yeah and that? yeah that makes total sense <laughs> um so okay so take me back then let's let's go back to the beginning what was your life like with alcohol where did it start um so as a child um I haven't got any sort of al- alcoholics don't I'm not a lover of the word but we all know what I mean. Um, there's no one sort of that drank to excess in our family or any difficulty with anything like that. Um, my mum and dad 
did drink. They would have a drink sort of at the weekends, but nothing, again, nothing crazy. Uh, we didn't have wild parties or anything, um, but I did grow up in a small village um, in the sort of mid-2000s. Um, so sort of I was 15 in 2005, um, and that's where I sort of became introduced to drinking and took part Um so in the village that I lived in, I was just thinking about this earlier, there was always sort of the older, cool kids used to um, sit along the church wall, which was opposite the shop. And I remember that we used to go there, like I'd go with my mum and look at them and I think, oh, they they look absolutely terrifying. But like, how cool would it be to be in that group and to sit there on the wall with like your friends and stuff, which sounds crazy now, but then sort of as, as they got older, the, the younger ones then took over and it was kind of like went down the generations. So you'd get the new ones that sat on the church wall, but it was always the cool people. So when I went to secondary school, we'd, all get the bus from the village and go off to secondary school and we'd sort of get to know each other on the bus and whatnot and start smoking behind the, the bus stop and all that sort of normal, yeah. well, not really normal, but back in the day it was sort of normal. Um, and then you'd sort of get chatting to them and they'd say, oh, what are you, on a Friday, oh, what are you doing after school? We're, we're going we're meeting at the church kind of thing. And you, you think, oh my God, they've invited me. I, I'm definitely going to go. And it was like this big thing because I was then sort of allowed to hang out with the cool kids. Um, and of course, the reason that they were sitting on the church wall was waiting for someone to come along that was old enough to buy the alcohol from the shop and then mm -hmm. they could give it to them and then they'd go elsewhere. Um, so that became quite normal in my life. Um, just taking part in the the Friday night out in the village, sort of at the local park, and you'd get. I mean, I was thinking about it. We used to get like a bottle of vodka to share between us, no mixers, and ugh, I just think neat vodka no. at fifteen, sixteen. Like how? <laughs> so brutal, isn't it? Oh, my God, I just. <laughs> I can't even, I mean, if I tried to do it now or a year ago, I just like, oh God, no, thank you. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, the trash we drank, I think, oh. teenager, you know, and I think that explains quite a lot of <laughs> teenage sickness and yeah. you know, growing up and passing out and all that. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think, so we'd get, get the alcohol, whatever it may be. And, um, a friend of mine, actually, she used to, her dad used to drop her off to the village, the place to be, and he'd, he'd drop her off with um, a three-litre bottle of white lightning. Wow. <laughs> so we'd share that between us. Like, how bad is that? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's, it's weird when you look back at the things that were acceptable and and I actually wonder, is that actually just something that's of a certain time? Because I was quite surprised the other day on my private social media, I saw that one of my 
friends from that era mm-hmm. had bought her child some alcohol to celebrate something and th- this child was a teenager and she said you know enjoy that and that. and I was like oh my god that felt very <laughs> alien and I know obviously it's different for me because now I'm in this very sober world and <laughs> obviously I hate alcohol anyway um but it was I just assumed that people don't do that anymore that people mm. are buying their 15 16 17 year olds bottles of alcohol but clearly they are yeah and is that is that actually a cultural thing that perhaps is not as prevalent I don't know maybe there's a bit of both but I don't know if that's completely gone and I know we talk about on this podcast a lot and, and me included would say you know back in the day <laughs> you know <laughs> but, I mean fair enough you know pubs in villages would turn a blind eye and so would the off license and and I was buying alcohol at 15 for my friends you know which is crazy and you couldn't get away with that now but inside the home you just assume that that stopped as well but in some homes I suppose it hasn't you know Mm. that hasn't changed and if you don't identify as that kind of drinking behavior as being problematic I suppose why would you not just do that with your own kids um no judgment not saying it's right or wrong it's just an observation that was one that I made the other week and I was quite surprised I was surprised by it because I thought oh for some reason I've got it in my head that we just don't do this anymore but that was an example of where we do anyway I digress and I guess if just thinking about it if you are a person that can moderate and you've never it's never kind of entered your world that you could could have a problem with alcohol I suppose buying it for your kids you the the problem just doesn't come into your mind is it yeah yeah but it's funny they're gonna know their limits and it's funny what people because I think that there's probably a a good section of drinkers that drink in what I think you and I might seem as problematic as in bad for their health just in that it might be binge drinking every weekend and just like every weekend. And and so whilst there's not really dire consequences and, you know, that's not on their radar as being an issue, I just think culturally that's just what they've always done and they've just not got to that point where they're like us or, you know, people that come on the show where you get fed up of it and you want to change that. So I just thought that was interesting in the people, I mean, it's very difficult to define problematic and I always encourage people to define problematic as the way it makes you feel. Mm. But, you know, you if you drink three bottles of wine a day and you feel great, that's not to say that that's not problematic, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's very heavy use, isn't it? And if you drink a bottle of wine every night, seven days a week and never have a day off, and that's that can be very common. Like people will drink half a bottle to a bottle of wine after work or in the week every night or most nights that's what I did and I think that is problematic still because there are hidden health uh it's damaging your health in a sort of stealthy way you probably don't know about it until it becomes too late yeah Um, and 
you know, will be impacting certain things, even if you're not connecting the dots yourself. So it's kind of, it is a bit of a gray area, isn't it? But I think just going back to the point, and you're right, I suppose if someone doesn't, if that's the behavior that they've always had growing up and that they're still in now, whether that is deemed problematic or not, that's the culture that they're in. And so therefore they think it's okay. And each to their own parents have the right to do what they want, you know, and, but it's just, I was surprised because I always thought when I look back at my parents buying me alcohol at 16, I think that's a bad thing now, (laughs) obviously because I've had this experience and I've, I've, I've ended up being a bit of an over drinker. Um, but I still think I'm not sure I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like children being bought alcohol. It's kind of, so I'm kind of a bit antsy that I suppose. So it was surprising to see that on my feed in this day and age. I was kind of yeah. like, wow. I, I just assumed that we don't do that anymore. But it's not a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So carry on. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's how it began, really, and then just sort of house parties and. Um, like yeah like I say just drinking around the village and we had I was thinking as well the the village that I grew up in is tiny but there were loads of different sort of open spaces and parks and um, all these like footpaths that connect them all together so quite often we'd be in one place sort of out of the the center of the village and um, in the dark and all of a sudden you'd see a torch so, so someone would shout, oh, police. And then they'd shout sort of the location, the next location. And then everyone would disperse and go down whichever footpath or whichever way they could get there. And then we'd all meet back up at this next place. So it was very hard for anyone to sort of keep track of us. because it Sounds like an Inid Blyton book, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there was various sort of bases and yeah. parts and whatnot. Brilliant. Um, if you're a teenager and if you're yeah. a you're drinking and yeah, sounds, sounds great. I was, I was thinking about it and I thought, oh, that that was actually fun. Yeah. But it wasn't, the drinking wasn't the same then. It yeah. was sort of like... Kind of experimental, isn't it? Yeah. And my curfew was sort of 10 o'clock and I'd always say to my dad, well, can I leave where I am at 10? And he'd say, what? And then walk back really slowly and it's going to take you an hour. No, I don't think so. You're going to be home by 10. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my life is so unfair. Everyone gets to stay out and I don't. But I mean, looking back, I think, thank God they did that. Because I did have friends that were just sort of allowed to do what they wanted and yeah. Yeah. jealous and I'd always try and arrange a sleepover at their house so then I could stay out late too and but yeah I just I used to try and push the boundaries but my my parents were quite strict in that respect that they they didn't buy me alcohol and we didn't they didn't sort of give us a, a beer or a glass of wine or anything like that I've got um a twin brother actually um so it was very much the same for both of us and um growing up we kind of went in our separate directions with friend groups and things so he wasn't ever involved in the the Friday night park drinking <laughs> and the wall was he never on the yeah, wall sitting on the wall no he didn't sit on the wall <laughs> he probably it. did a bit later after I had gone <laughs> yeah you got there first yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah then so that was sort of secondary school 
and then college I was at college 16 to 18 and I can't remember that being like a really bad time for drinking even though the college was in the town Hmm. and there were clubs and stuff and I think like when I did hit 18 I did start going out but college never really seemed like a when I look back it's not kind of a bad time for drinking Mm. um so then I got to 18 and uh so the the village I lived in was in between two towns so we had the choice of which liquid did we want to go to (laughs) so sort of equal um space equal space apart from the village so it was great. We had all these options and you could get the last bus in and then at like seven and then try and work out how to get home. But you'd worry about that later, which now seems crazy. Um, so, yeah, Friday Friday nights was sort of a, a pub night in the village, have a, a couple of drinks, but not go too mad. I've always, um, well, since I was 15, I've, worked just mucking out some uh, horses for a friend um so I've always had something to do on the Saturday morning I mean don't get me wrong there were times that I did take it way too far and I'd be kind of mucking out the horses just thinking I cannot physically do this I remember one day I was out in the field and um the grass was quite long and it was (laughs) it was wet from the rain and I was just looking at it thinking could I get away with just lying down in this wet grass? <laughs> it just like, felt so awful. Yeah. I, I was just looking at it thinking, I've, I'm sure that would make me feel better. It's like when you're on holiday and you look at the swimming pool and you think, oh, if I get in there, my hangover will be gone. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> God, yeah, the holidays that, yeah. But you forget, I forget, to be honest, that feeling, mm. you know, thankfully, even though I do, I remember how horrible hangovers were, but... Yeah, that those that feeling of just being so battered yeah. and needing to get through the next eight to ten hours. It's, yeah, ugh. and I'd always think, oh, if I have this or do this, I'll definitely feel better. And then I'd do it or eat the bacon sandwich, and I, I wouldn't feel better. You're better for like two yeah. minutes, and then yeah, yeah. God, what next? And that would be like the whole day. Yeah, and then I'd just have to go to sleep. Yes. Only way. Um, so yeah, I, after sort of eighteen and the clubs and stuff, I met a boyfriend and I moved in with him when I was nineteen. Uh, we were together for a few years and it was good. We went on holidays and he drank and I drank and we sort of had parties at home and um my drinking did get quite bad when I was with him, but just because it was kind of accessible and I would, there was a point where I would drink a bottle of wine a night at sort of 21, 22. Yeah. And it's because I I knew that if I drank that one bottle, I'd feel fine the next day. Yeah. Um. So that, and I, that didn't last for very long. I don't really know how it started or, or why. I just, I think I just liked it and thought, mm. yeah, why not? Mm. Um, and then we ended up split, splitting up because 
we were at a friend's house and um, he booked a taxi to go home and he didn't tell me. And he said, he basically said to me, if you don't come home with me, you you can find somewhere else to live. And I um, I wanted to stay at the party. I was mm. having, having a great time. I mean, it was plenty late enough to go home. Yeah. But I, when I was drinking, I was very much, if someone said to me, right, you're going to do this, I'd be like, no. Yeah. Independent woman and I can do whatever I want. Like yeah. the confidence and the attitude would come out. Um, so I said, right, right fine, you, you go and I'm going to stay here. And that's how it ended, basically. It's quite, it's quite an extreme position to take isn't it if you don't come home you, basically we're finished yeah. about was there problems leading up to that was yeah I mean I I was very much like this was that wasn't the first time something yeah. like that had happened um we lived by this time we lived in the in one of the towns and so getting home was really easy after going out for a few drinks and I've never been one to stop the party I want to keep going and going and going Mm -hmm. so sometimes he'd say right I'm I'm going home now and we'd be out with a few friends or whatever and I'd sort of say oh well I'm going to stay here yeah and it was sort of something it was a kind of continuous thing and again barbecues house parties not just kind of town um so yeah, it wasn't just that <laughs> that one day he decided. Um, it was obviously like a build up, really. And, yeah, yeah. And I, I do it. I can't pretend that alcohol wasn't a big part of it. Mm. But at the time, I mean, don't get me wrong, that it, it, we weren't right for each other anyway. But at the time, it was sort of. I was like, well, why wouldn't I drink? That's what people do yeah there wasn't there definitely wasn't the kind of sober movement that there is now no not at all so removing alcohol just wasn't it didn't enter my mind yeah yeah no uh, and then so after that I was single for a few years and then I met my now husband um that was in 2015 um and yeah, then, I mean, all good. That I think I just go back to like the lockdowns and the lot, I think with the, with the lockdowns and the drinking and stuff, I was very much, um, the, just normal life was Friday night. I'd have a bottle of wine again, because I knew I'd feel okay on the Saturday and I still do the horses now. So I didn't want to feel rough and I wanted to be able to function. And then the Saturday night, I'd think right Sunday I've got nothing go. to do yeah let's go for it and mm. I think yeah I can I can be hungover because and Sunday's my only full day off and has been for a long time and it was my treat was the Saturday night and drinking a bottle of wine plus yeah and I just feel awful all day on the Sunday whether it was bad enough to keep me in bed all day Mm. or I could manage to get up and eat something I'd still feel terrible and I wouldn't want to do a lot I wouldn't mm. want to go outside like mm. and I just I thought many many times I thought to myself why do I keep doing this but it's always think oh I'm never drinking again yes and then the next like then the next week would roll around and you'd think oh well it's Friday it wasn't that bad last week I'll, I'll just do it again <laughs> 
every weekend. And I just, oh, crazy. (laughs) It's horrible, isn't it? When you think back at, you know, listening to you, I remember there was a period in my life before kids when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and I was just working and living for the weekends. And Friday, see, I was slightly different. My my kind of one bottle would be the Thursday night because I'd think I can folk, I can cope okay Friday at work, you know. Um, but still, it's a bottle, isn't it? It's madness. But yeah, I have a <laughs> bottle on. I bought a bottle on Thursday night, but then Friday night and Saturday night, but usually one night at least would go really mad, really mad. And sometimes that might result in going to parties, maybe sometimes at people's houses I didn't even know. I'd, yeah. be, I'd be out until six or seven in the morning and that taxi ride home, you know, just the daylight when you're I- edgy and just feeling anxiety. And I remember the feeling of it being a daylight today. You know, we were talking about how beautiful the weather is today. It's really hot I remember that feeling of being in the car, driving home on a day like today, just thinking, I'm just ruining this whole day now. And being aware of it, but trying to push that thought down because I don't want to face the fact that I'm just going to waste this whole day. And I'd be watching like Game of Thrones on repeat or something, eating pizza, eating badly, sometimes falling asleep, waking up, eating more pizza. And it would just be... It would just be horrible. It'd be like being in a drug den or something. It'd just yeah. be horrible. And there was this Velux window in, in the flat that I used to live in at that time. And sometimes I would catch myself looking up at the beautiful blue sky and the clouds sometimes passing by and just thinking, just being really aware of the fact you're not seeing a single sausage of that day today. <laughs> and feeling a bit shit about that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Having those thoughts, just like you just said, why do I keep doing this? Like, is this thinking about all the people that were just tootling about their day, embracing their day, walking their dogs, having barbecues on the beach, jumping in the sea. The sea was literally two minutes walk from my house there. Two minutes walk. And I just wasted so many of those weekends because I was hungover. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And I'd always, when I was hungover, I was never, um, never really one of these people that would be sick in the, on the same night, but I would be so ill the next day, whether yeah. it was waking up. I remember one day, I just thought of one day when I lived at home, my friend stayed at my house because when I hit 18, my parents were sort of like, well, you're 18, you can do what you want. Which so I was like, this is great. Like <laughs> I can come home at two in the morning, and I was always very conscious of sort of being quiet um, because I could still get told off at eighteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but a friend stayed, and I remember we got into my bed, and she had my bin, and I had the washing up bowl from downstairs just in case. And I woke up in the morning, and I was. But I was being sick. It was the being sick that woke me up. And I just sort of turned over and and I I looked around at her and she just looked at me and said, what the hell just happened? And I was like, I don't know. 
I really don't know. But yeah. even things like that, I think, how dangerous is that? Yeah. And it didn't even occur to me that that was not okay. Yeah. It was just like, it was know. a surreal thing that happened, but I didn't really take into consideration the um, sort of importance of it. Really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I don't know, mad. Um, but yeah, so going back to the lockdowns, I, um, I, d- I chose to take furlough from work, which ended up being three weeks, I think. I was like, this is brilliant. I can have a party every night. I can stay up watching. I always used to stay up really late. My husband would go to bed and I'd stay up just watching um, music videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. on the telly. And you'd sort of listen to one and then you'd get a suggestion for the next one and you're kind of two bottles in by this point. So you're having the most wonderful time. I sat there on my own. Yeah. I could listen to this music at any time that I want. (laughs) I I used to do the same thing. I not you not watching YouTube, but I would listen to music. Hmm. Yeah. And quite often some of those songs would be quite sad. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would just be like. I'd be just sort of like sitting in a self-pitying mess, I think. All the mistakes that I'd made in life yeah. and all the things that I'd lost or... Yeah, it was such you know, a terrible person. pain that I felt as a kid. And just like it would all seem to just... I'd to kind of fester in 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 that like Bonnie Tyler moment at yeah. 12 when yeah. I'm two bottles in and I'm sort of searching for some old brandy or something that I might find in the cupboard. <laughs> oh my God. It's mad, I, isn't it? I'd, um, I'd always finish my own wine. Quite often I'd get two, usually two, sometimes maybe three bottles. And if I finished that and I wasn't quite ready, I, I wanted to listen to the next song, I'd start drinking my husband's beer out of the fridge. Yeah. And the next day he'd sort of ask me about it and I'd just feel terrible I don't even like beer yeah but thing you need anything in that moment don't yeah you? yeah yeah not ready to say right enough's enough let's go to bed I just I yeah. sort of had to wait to that point where I fell asleep and that would be the end of the party like you pass out or whatever. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but because it wasn't every night and it was kind of planned Mm. I thought, well, this is normal. This is absolutely fine. This is okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when did it get kind of, when did it get to that point where you were just like, this has got to stop? Uh, so I think really when it was my Hendu, which was July 21, I it was alcohol fueled and we were kind of coming out of the lockdowns and um, the Hindu was kind of hanging in the balance. Like, will we be able to do it? Won't we? And I obviously didn't know what was being planned. And I am, I say a bit of a control freak. I'd probably say a massive control freak. And I don't, I love surprises, but it has to be, I don't, I can't know that it's coming. Mm. If I know anything about it, I have to know everything and I'm not very good at sort of saying, oh, I'll just go with the flow. So I'm yeah. like, no, I, I need to know now. And who's going to be there? And what time are we doing it? <laughs> what do I wear? Yeah. So that, I think, with the stress of planning a wedding, the stress of COVID, um, like I say, planning the wedding, I was waking up, I mean, my sleep was terrible anyway. So I'd wake up in the night 
and I'd be thinking, oh, well, how am I going to afford this? And what about that? And just constant. And looking back now, I think the most ridiculous thing that I could have done was gone away for three days and drank solidly. Mm. I was either drunk or hungover for the whole of the three days. And I remember the first night I got, I was so drunk and I used to black out frequently, Mm. sort of every time I drank. And um, the first night I ended up offending everyone, I think. Um, But it was during a blackout and I was very much um, like what I would say would like make sense. And, but I wouldn't have any recollection of it whatsoever. Um, I'd look normal. I wouldn't necessarily be falling over. I I probably did slur my words, but I could string a sentence together. So I think the the next day was just horrendous in that, like, I cried like I've never cried before, like couldn't breathe crying because I just felt so terrible. And I didn't, I didn't know what I had done. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, Oh, I just, and I think when you drink with people who don't black out, there's no way of explaining that actually that person that said those things last night is not you. Mm. You just, and being the control freak that I am, knowing that I've done things and I don't know what I've done is just the most awful feeling. And then I... I'm a really bad um, doom scroller. I will sit on my phone. I do it now. If I feel a bit uneasy about something, I'll just sit on social media. And I don't even know what I'm looking for, whether it's a distraction or someone that's done done something worse than me. And then I can feel better because, oh, well, they're, they're a much more terrible person <laughs> than I am. Mm. I, just, I don't know what it is. And it's really something that I, I need to work on now. But... Um, so going back to the Hendu, I just, I just spent the whole of the next few days that we were there just feeling awful, just the anxiety, feeling rough anyway, because I was hungover. And then when we got home, I just said, right, I, I need to do something about this. And I went to an AA meeting So this was July 21, so before this sober stint. Um, So I went off to the meeting and it was was fine, the one that I went to first. And I met this really lovely girl and I thought, oh, this is like, it's not what you imagine at all. Um, I thought, yeah, I'll keep up with this. And then I went to a different one, which was closer to home. And um, they sort of I think at the start she said we're like a a talking group or speaking group or something and she was she would encourage people to speak yeah and so I'm sat there from the off thinking oh my god I cannot speak in front of all these people and I remember it went around the room in sort of like a zigzag pattern and it felt like there was a snake as the people were speaking and it was getting closer to me it felt like there was a snake coming to get me and then it was going to be my turn. And I was just, it was the most horrible feeling. And I um, i started speaking and I just burst into tears. I think it must have been a panic attack. And I couldn't get my words up, but I was determined to speak because I just, I wanted 
I wanted to push myself to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, and I did go to one after that happened, but then I just decided that it wasn't for me. I just, the people were all lovely. And like I said, it wasn't what I expected at all. And I know that it does work for some people, but what I, what I did find quite strange was that a couple of the people that I'd met there and I was in contact with, I sort of said to them, I don't think I'm going to come anymore, but I, that's not to say I'm going to start drinking. And they sort of just disappeared. They didn't. And I was thinking, oh, well, we could still like meet for coffees and stuff, but they just completely disappeared. Never heard from them again, which I found really strange. So like I said, I'm not, I'm not slating it at all. And I know that it is really helpful for some people, but it just wasn't right for me. And I think that it actually wasn't the right time for me either. But I think it was it was more of a case of I was forcing myself to try and stop drinking rather than thinking I really want to do this. Yeah. And I think, again, if I'm forced into a situation, I immediately want to retaliate and say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do it my way. So I think then following that, I had... Um, a couple of weekends that I did stay sober and I thought at the end on the Sunday night or the Monday morning I just think to myself wow you are a superhero for for doing the one weekend I remember we went to a barbecue at some friends and the following day was we were taking my youngest stepson to uh, Cotswold Wildlife Park for his birthday And I just thought to myself, I do not want to risk feeling like rubbish going there because I know how much I'll love going there. And um, so we were at the barbecue and everyone was saying, oh, well, you can just have one. And I was saying, no, because if I have one, I'll have 10 and there's no point. I thought if I drive, then I can drive us all home at the end of the Mm. day. I can wake up early, get my makeup done. Like doing my makeup on a Sunday was always like a massive thing not being hung over and putting my makeup on and feeling fine at like eight in the morning I'd be giving myself a high five yeah, <laughs> it's a big achievement though isn't it when you've not yeah. that for like most of your adult life yeah it's a big thing um <laughs> so you got these two kind of sober weekends under your belt and then potentially so a little bit of maybe drinking in drip drab so what what was the daylight where you said that's it the start of this stint that you're in now so it was it always makes me laugh because I just I feel like it was a different person but and it wasn't even that bad really um so it was the 24th of September and we were going to the pub with my parents and my godparents and um my husband and I and we got the train there and I thought, right, it's September. That means it's autumn. That means it's red wine season. Yeah. And it was a day not quite as hot as today, but it was hot. And we're sat outside and I'm throwing back these red wines because oh, we're in the autumn months. So why would you not? Mm. And um, yeah, just drinking red wine. And then we left. We didn't leave that late, but we got the train back and then the train station is obviously in town and we walked past this place and it was open so we thought oh yeah we'll pop in and I can barely remember being in there and um I had 
I was it was just me and my husband and I couldn't find him in there so I went to call him and I I called someone else by mistake just pressed the wrong name thankfully they didn't answer but it was just someone that I just shouldn't have been calling at that time and well I mean it was nine o'clock but thank god they didn't answer the phone um so then we came home somehow can't remember how and then woke up so I woke up on the Sunday and um our dog normally sleeps on our beds on a Friday night and a Saturday night and then he sleeps in the kitchen during week. and I woke up on the Sunday and the dog wasn't there and the panic that set in and I thought I, I mean I didn't know if I'd shut the door I, I could have thought it would be really fun to release him into the wild like I don't I honestly don't know so I jumped out of bed and I ran downstairs and thank God he was in the kitchen. He was fine. But the, honestly, I was so worried. I thought, if, what am I going to do if the dog isn't in the house? Yeah. So that, that's why I say he plays a, a big part in the, <laughs> the sober journey because I just thought, I cannot. These blackouts are just unbelievable. And like I said, I don't, I don't know what I've done. I don't know what I've said. And people like if I'd speak to my good friends the next day that I had I as far as I was aware I hadn't seen and they'd say oh do you remember seeing me last night and I think oh my god no <laughs> yeah I can't I cannot keep doing this mm. the one day off a week feeling like rubbish being sick all day and I had I did actually plan to do sober October anyway I had done that before and um so that was coming around and so then I just thought, oh, well, I'll start today. I've still got one weekend in between or one Friday night or something. And I just thought, no, I'll start today. Amazing. I'll get, get a week on the um, the sober October. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's what I did. So I, I have to be very thankful to my pug. <laughs> oh, do you know, I think that feeling, though, of <clears throat> I've had that feeling replace dog with young children. Yeah. And, and it's it's absolutely heart-wrenchingly terrifying that split second that you think I've got no memory of getting in with the kids and putting them into their beds and just waking up kind of almost like waking up from almost like the blackout or the passing out and it's like oh oh my god you know yeah. where are they what are they it's horrible it's weird, isn't it like you think with kids you wouldn't in a million years leave them with someone you didn't know but actually when you're in charge of the children and you're in a blackout it's almost the same like you don't know what you've done and no. you don't know what they've had for dinner mm-hmm. it's just the weirdest thing isn't it blackouts are horrible I I, I used to blackout as well um mm-hmm. and they are the worst is when you see photographs of yourself that you mm-hmm. don't remember when you're in the blackout and yeah. like you're looking at your face and you're just like you're searching for some kind of firing to go off in your yeah. mind. And you're, and yeah, you're like looking in the background and oh yeah, yeah I remember that conversation, but it just doesn't yeah. come. It's horrible, isn't it? It's really horrible. Um, and it's, it's just very frightening, I think. Mm. It's just very frightening. Um, 
So yeah, so you woke up on that day and you just thought, right, I'm just, I'm fed up. I'm going to crack this a week ahead of Sober October. Yeah. (laughs) What did you do to support yourself? Um, I think I remember a friend saying to me quite early on, um, she said, oh, you've got amazing willpower, like from previous stints of losing weight and that sort of stuff. And she said, oh, you'll do it. You've got amazing willpower. And I think, have I? Do I really? And then I, so since she said that to me, I thought, yes, I've got amazing willpower and I don't need to drink anymore. And so that was a massive part of it. Um, I did quite early on get into like the podcast and stuff and I found your podcast. And by the time I started listening, there were however many episodes for me to catch up on. Brilliant. Go out, take the dog out. And I think, right, this one's an hour or 45 minutes or whatever. And I try and plan my route so I could get the whole thing in. Oh, kind of coming back to it. I'd like to get them all done. Um, So I had loads and loads of those to to listen to. So that was brilliant. Um, I remember previously I'd followed a load of sober accounts on Instagram and then I'd unfollowed them all. So I kind of went back and followed everyone again and then was just trying to find the ones that I thought would best suit me and um one person I must mention is um Sophie sober and happy oh she's my friend (laughs) she's so so lovely she is so I actually know her from like being 18 and going into town wow we know each other I haven't seen her for many years but um we knew each other through drinking yeah so I followed her account for a long time and then um we sort of started chatting and she said oh I didn't know you followed me and I sort of said oh yeah I'm really thinking about giving up drinking and stuff and I remember she said to me that when she stopped drinking she lost quite a lot of weight um I'm sure she won't mind me saying that it was two stone um and I thought to myself wow if I can lose two stone well, that will just change my life. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm never going to lose that amount of weight. So I was quite down with my weight and stuff. And um, yeah, so now we catch up every so often on Instagram and she'll always say to me, oh, I remember when you had just started and like, it's crazy. Oh, so yeah, I mean, a lot of that sort of chatting to people, podcasts and something that I did find really useful was, I chose a different drink. So I, I I do drink the sort of alternatives, the alcohol-free ones occasionally. Yeah. I kind of have them in the bank for when I need them, like for a party or a barbecue or something. Um, so I started drinking a lot of lemonade because I didn't drink lemonade before. So if we were going to the pub, I'd have a lemonade because it was a new drink and it was something different and... So yeah, that lemonade and Seven Up was a a big one. Um, like I try and get buy myself a nice drink, like those um, the elderflower and apple busy mm-hmm. things. And I one day I bought one at lunchtime at work on a Friday, and I drank it at my desk at about five o'clock. And I thought this is great. I can have my Friday night drink when I'm still at work and not yeah. getting trouble for it. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't matter what time you have that Friday night drink. You can have that at midday if you want. There are there aren't all these rules around elderflower and apple, are there? Yeah, exactly. So I think that that was a big thing. 
Um, and I just, I tried not to um, like deny myself things. Mm. Like if I fancied a certain food or if I felt like staying in or having sleep, I just kind of do whatever I needed to do yeah. to kind of get through it. Help yourself through it. Yeah. Yeah. And how has it changed your life? Not drinking. Um, I mean, I just, I'm literally like a completely different person now. I I started running. I did start the uh, couch to 5K and I was still drinking. And when I got to the end of the nine weeks, I just, I couldn't believe that I had done it. And I just thought, I'm, I'm going to carry on with this. And so now I go out and, I mean, I do, I can do 10K. I don't find it easy, but I know that I can do it. And I would like to do half marathon distance. I I did want to do it to celebrate the one year sober, but now that's coming around quite quick. I'm like, I don't know if I'm quite there, but... 18 months, 18 months. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I think just completely different. I, I like to get up early. I like to get out. I like to keep busy. Um, I had a nap, a small nap earlier in the week for about half an hour and I couldn't really sleep that night. Um, whereas before on a Sunday, I'd be asleep the whole day because I'd make myself be asleep because I'd feel so awful mm. um, and then not be able to sleep that night. And I just thought like, it's weird how, how I don't need the naps anymore. And <laughs> yeah, totally <laughs> like that. So yeah. And has it changed your relationship at all? Because obviously you were with your partner when you were a, a bigger drinker and yeah. Um, yeah. Has that, has that changed or, or any of your other relationships? I think uh, it's, it's difficult to say. I mean, my husband doesn't really get it. Um, I mean, he's fine with it, but I mean, he's, he doesn't drink to excess really yeah. I mean, he, he does sometimes like for whatever occasion, but he, do, he won't drink like, I, like he wouldn't stay downstairs until two in the morning mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's quite nice. I always say with the, with not drinking, I feel like before my life was very up and very down, whereas now it's kind of just a straight line. Yeah. So it's really, really fun. I mean, it is at times, but I don't have that sort of massive dip as well it's just kind of steady which is great I mean I I can deal with that um yeah it's more predictable isn't it yeah Um, and yeah I really I do understand that I think I remembered noticing that feeling for me it was like emotional stability as well like emotionally whilst some of my earlier days in um in in sobriety they could be a little bit up and down emotionally inside me mm-hmm. I'd think why am I feeling this way or why am I you know why am I feeling down or why am I feeling but but that did kind of stabilize quite quickly and I think certainly you know where you are now like around a year in I was definitely feeling like life was just quite stable yeah <laughs> and I was quite stable emotionally and I was just yeah handling things better than I had handled them before I think yeah you don't get that sort of oh my god the world is ending yeah sort of like okay well it's not great but we can sort it out yeah yeah 
line. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what what did what can you remember in this kind of year that you you know what was challenging or or what did come up that you needed to work on a bit more? Um, I mean, so I remember the first three months was so the um, sort of September to December is my favorite time of year I love it and whether that's because there's so many events that you can drink at I mean there's Halloween bonfire night Christmas all the stuff leading up to Christmas it's just like three-month party um but actually I think although although the time of year was difficult for me I'm glad that it's done and it was that whole thing was just over so quickly so like it would be coming up to and it was and it was my first uh, wedding anniversary in October so I'd never had a wedding anniversary before Mm. and I remember on the day I sort of thought to myself oh I should be allowed to have a drink but I didn't um and it was just sort of getting through though each thing and because there's so many things so close together as soon as one was ticked off the list so I'd then go to the next one and sort of say to myself, well, if you can get through that one, tick that one off, and then it's on to the next one. And then I think my three-month three month anniversary, whatever, it actually fell on Christmas Eve. Oh. Um, and I started getting those. Have you seen the key rings from Sober Girl Society? Um, I know, but I can imagine what they're like. Yeah, I'm, they're like little um, rosettes. Yeah. And so there's, I've got the three, six, nine, and I'm on to the year now. And I remember, I, I think I sent my husband the link and I said, you need to get this and you need to um, get it for me as a Christmas present, but you need to give it to me on Christmas Eve. Said, oh yeah, right, whatever. And he did. And I just, I couldn't believe that I had this thing and it was so, it was just such good timing because yeah. Christmas Eve was always a, a day that I'd take it too far and then feel rubbish on Christmas day. And so, yeah, I think although... Although it, I kind of enjoyed it. They were very, they were hard um, events yeah. to get through, but and just to really have to push myself through them. But then, like I say, knowing that they're they're done and I've done them once, so coming up to them, coming around again, I'm like, yeah, come on, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's um, it's such a good approach that you know it's like power through get through some of those firsts because they fill up a bit in your evidence cup and mm. that shows you that you can actually survive and and you know more than that you can enjoy things yeah thinking you can learn to enjoy those events without alcohol it yeah. just takes doing them once or yeah. twice or, or a few times yeah to show yourself that actually you you don't need it Mm. Yeah, the booze. Um, so yeah, th- there's always that thing, isn't there, when people want to stop drinking? It's like, oh, I need to do it, you know, like after this thing and after yeah. that. Yeah, there's never a good time. No. But I, I almost think there is a really good time, and that's before loads of big events. Like you might as well, <laughs> yeah, like you power through and and do them. Yeah, and I think quite early on, I read a quote or heard a quote that was, um, you don't ever regret not drinking. Yeah. 
So like after a night out, you get home and you're really drunk and you think, oh, why did I do that? But actually, when you get home and you're sober, you think, oh, well, I'll just take my makeup off, put my pyjamas on, get into bed. And you don't ever think, oh, I really wish I had got Drop smashed tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Isn't yeah. It? so true yeah it's like that quote you know nobody regrets getting sober yeah it's it's you know not I think although I have met one person who hated sobriety and went back to drinking and <laughs> it really shocked me when he told me that and um, he said he did four years and he hated it and <laughs> now he drinks and I thought all I could think of was well you just did it wrong <laughs> I'm sorry I know I'm an advocate for saying you can't do it wrong but I think he that that person was a dry drunk, just put the drink yeah. around, didn't do anything, and then just constantly felt like they were missing out, and you know didn't didn't kind of learn to adopt a different perspective or challenge themselves to to do different things or yeah. change their mindset, and so yeah. But otherwise, uh, there's hundreds, probably thousands now of people that I talk to that don't drink and. The ones that make it to, you know, the sort of like the year and onwards, they all just love it. And yeah. they're, so, they're so happy that they made yeah. that for sure. Definitely. And I, someone said to me the other day, oh, you're never going to drink again, are you? And I still get that feeling of like, <gasps> and I, d- I don't ever say that's me done forever because it feels like too much pressure. Yeah. So I just think like right now I don't yeah. drink and I don't have any plans to drink tomorrow or the next day but to say forever is like yeah um, so I just try not to think about it too much really yes yeah. just... but I, I say to people you know when you sign up to do couch to 5k you don't say that you're going to do that forever mm. do you it's the no. same you know why do you have to you don't have to say that you're I mean for me I I know now that I've you know, 99.9% sure I'm never going to drink again. Um, but I feel like every year that you don't drink, it elevates you to a new level. Yeah. And, and I know if I drank now, how disappointed I would feel. Yeah. I could ha- have a drink at any point. There's nothing stopping me. Yeah. But I just know myself how disappointed I would be to know that I've made it this far yeah. to just... Stop, like start again yeah and I don't like, don't get me wrong I it's I'm not at a point now where I'm stopping myself at all I don't want to drink yeah it's not like every day I think oh well I could just have one because I'm I don't I don't rarely even think about it now yeah um, but yeah strange <laughs> yeah yeah, it's strange. It's a strange old business. Drinking yes. But it's good. It's a good, it's a good strange business. Yes. Um, so what would you say your top three tips to people who are looking to jump in and, and do the same thing or who might be sober and need to elevate themselves? What would you recommend? <laughs> um, so I'd say definitely uh, find an alternative drink, whether it be a uh, no secco or alcohol-free cider or something like that. Um, I ha- I did get um, the Gordon's alcohol-free pink gin. I actually was given six bottles of it, um, and I wasn't a massive 
gin drinker before so that's actually really nice because it, again it's like a new drink so when we have barbecues or whatever I'll have that with um, an elderflower tonic um, and again it's different and it doesn't necessarily feel like I'm trying to drink gin because I mm. didn't really drink it before um, but I I don't tend to like I, I wouldn't drink a bottle of no secco every night which is like I say I, I went to more like the lemonade and seven up and stuff like that so if you can find a drink that is new and different Mm. uh, I do I drink the um trip drinks as well Mm. I do like those um so yeah that that was a massive thing big top tip um I would also say just listen to yourself um especially early on so like I was saying if you want to eat a certain thing or you want to have a nap or you want to stay in or you want to go out I would just say just do it um I mean I <laughs> I developed quite a um severe cream addiction in the early days and I found that <laughs> I'd go to the shop and I'd, I'd pick up the cream and then I'd find a dessert to go with it <laughs> yeah. so I just wanted to eat cream all the time I think but then I think it's like because you haven't got that sugar yeah um so yeah, for the first sort of three months, well, up until the 3rd of January, I think the 3rd of January was my 100 days. And so on that day, I said, right, now we're going to tackle sort of the weight loss, dieting, and you've had had your three months of doing whatever you want. And so you've shown that you can do it. Now we're going to work on that. So that's when I got into my, really got into the running and focusing on dieting and whatnot. Um, but I do think it's really important to to just let yourself have what mm. what your, your body's asking for, I suppose. Um, and then the third thing I would say is just getting outside and the podcasts and the Quitlet um, documentaries as well. I, I remember I watched the um, Vicky Pattinson documentary mm. about her dad. Um, just things like that I find really interesting because as with the the podcast, no two stories are the same. Mm. And quite often from the, when you listen to sort of loads of different ones, you can pick a bit from each and think to yourself, oh yeah, that sounds like me. And oh, I did that. So I just, I find those really helpful to listen to everyday people that are doing it. Like, but um, before I met you today I was thinking god my story's really boring like I haven't really had any trauma or anything like that like why is anyone gonna care and then I thought well actually it's quite good because people who don't have haven't had those awful things happen can also develop these kind of problems with drinking too and want to not just not do it anymore and it doesn't have to you don't have to want to stop for a a sort of health reason or you can literally just say I've had enough yeah it's interesting because I think that almost the more normal the story the more helpful it is because I think it's the more kind of normal acceptable not rock bottom style you know drinkers that maybe are the ones that struggle the most with the decision to stop because well why should they stop it's not that bad and and all of that kind of narrative yeah I think there's a lot of people especially people that are sober curious that are just feeling a bit like they're in the booze fatigue you know the all the weekend 
cycle of just you know living for Friday yeah <laughs> that repeat you know rinse and repeat um that the drinking is just like their friends or their or their partners yeah. or their families and yeah. they're just feeling like it's for some reason it's just not clicking anymore and it doesn't feel right anymore and it doesn't feel good and so yeah. you know to hear your story that's the kind of story they need to hear yeah. <laughs> you know do you know what I mean it's like that yeah. there's no one type of drinker there's no one type of person that wants to stop drinking there mm. there are lots of different yeah flavors and colors and shapes yeah so, yeah I think I, I think it's a brilliant story and and I love the simplicity of a story like this in some ways because there's so much like with all the stories no matter if they're darker or or they're not so dark there's always something or some things that you're like oh yeah there's been loads of stuff that you said today that I thought god yeah I'd, I'd forgotten about that or yeah I, you know even for me the the, <laughs> the show and I think yeah so I think there's always healing in people's stories and it's like you say it's about finding the little gems of uh of information that relate to you and resonate yeah. with you oh so how can we find you Jackie if we want to follow your journey and get in touch where will we find you uh so I, don't, I haven't got a sort of sober account um because uh, there are so many brilliant ones out there I and when I first stopped drinking I honestly thought I don't I don't think I'd be able to do it because like I say because there's so many brilliant ones there's so much competition I thought ah I'll leave that to them so I am on Instagram um my username is uh, Jack Chalice which is J-A-K-C-H-A-L-L-I-S um I do post some sober stuff on there um it is I am set to private but if people want to give me a follow they are welcome um there's lots of pictures of my dog and horses and milestones <laughs> love them love a milestone post and um comparison pictures of myself love that <laughs> important I think it's a way of <laughs> celebrating your journey and yes in the progress and I think that's a big part of it and it's a good thing to get comfortable with because I always think we don't big ourselves up enough yeah and I mean I find because I I'm forever pacing like I say milestones and um if I feel like I've had a particularly decent run I am one of those people that will post my route and yeah why not and I sometimes think like oh no I'm sure no one cares about this but I I do so I I like to put it on there and then when you get like your sort of memories or you're having to look back I think oh yeah I remember that totally yeah I think that's how I use definitely my personal account it's mainly my kids or pictures of me swimming at sunrise, or my haircuts, <laughs> although I do put that yeah. over as well. But no, you know, all jokes aside, um, for me, it's like an archive. Yeah. yeah. One day, I, I'm going to be 20 years older. And it, what a lovely thing to be able to go back, you know, 20 yeah. years. If you can scroll that far back, I don't know, maybe you won't be yeah. able to, But, you know, it'd just be nice to have this, like, digital online photo album. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. So it's it's good to have those Marseilles. Um, Jackie, thank you so much. Thank you. It's lovely to meet you as well. I've followed you for a long time. So thanks for 
making me feel less nervous. <laughs> I do. I do try my best. Although I'm not sure if I did the best job today telling you how many people listen to the podcast. I, a, I need to make a mental note not to do that in the future. Um, yeah. Uh, have a lovely rest of your week. Really enjoy your first year soberversary um yeah you deserve to spoil yourself and to be spoiled it's a brilliant brilliant milestone and it will give lots of other people inspiration and hope that they can do the same thing Um, yeah and thank you to everybody else until next time goodbye thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.